Welcome to the Culture of Kindness podcast. Have you wondered about the direction the world is going? Wondered if you and the rest of the world are connecting in a healthy way? I can see it in others, and now I've changed the lens through which I see the world, and to be kind is the only possible result. Because you, you don't have the language of talking, it's kind of almost a language of kindness. In this podcast, we discuss everything from what makes a brilliant leader to where is the world going on our current trajectory and how can we make a culture of kindness and do we actually need to or are we doing all right just as we are? It's roughly 2,000 years since some bloke got nailed to a tree for suggesting that we should all be a little bit nicer to each other. And I fear that over the last 2,000 years we haven't moved on very far from that. Inherently, humans are very badly flawed. And there, there is... I, Nahala Summers, became obsessed about the power of kindness after it was the kindness of a stranger that changed my life. So now I am lucky enough to talk to the most eclectic mix of people, probably on any podcast. Come inside and subscribe. It will open your mind and world up to the best examples of living life wholeheartedly. When you look on the Facebook, even when you look in the comments on BBC, everyone goes, oh, I hate bullies. But then that's like saying, I hate water. You know, bullies have come from somewhere. And what was going to tap on my shoulder from somewhere that said, you cannot just do an act of kindness in a day and that be good enough. Thanks so much, Byron, for joining me on the podcast, A Culture of Kindness. I'm really fortunate to have you here. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. So just to give the listeners an idea of who you are, what you do and what makes you happy. <laughs> wow, that's the big questions. Um, so I, 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 I'm never really sure. I'm never really sure how to answer the question what what I do because I'm a kind of a jack of all trades and master of none. I make uh, theatre and um, radio and autobiographical work. Um, I'm a, I, it says on Wikipedia that I'm a writer, performer, and broadcaster, and that's uh, that, it. Must be true because it's on the internet. Um, <laughs> Uh, but I tend to, or have tended to over the last few years, focus on work um, that's A, uh, as I said, autobiographical, and B, uh, really focuses on themes that are interesting to me. The theatre stuff tends to be focused around, really, really loosely, around um, anxiety and the antidote to anxiety, which is kindness and empathy, love. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and, um, and, uh, the uh, documentary work tends to focus on um, really what I want to do is uh, enable people who have um, limited opportunity to tell their story, to tell their story, usually um, around issues of uh, a lack of social inclusion and disenfranchisement and that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. So I you because I came to see you at your TEDx which was absolutely outstanding and I hope that lots of other people get to see that um I know know you worked very well actually so it was a completely unique TEDx tell us about that TEDx well so I made it to about a mile away from the building which um which was uh, fine I guess but I had um (laughs) I, I I turned out I had pneumonia and pleurisy 
and wow. uh, and uh, also two broken ribs at the time and so and so I'd kind of I was I was flagging all the way there it was a bit optimistic <laughs> to think that I might be able to get uh, get into the building and stand up so what I did was I recorded the entire thing on my phone from from the uh, Airbnb I was staying in which was less than a mile away from the actual venue yeah. and and then just uh, sent it over with like two minutes to spare and fell into bed and and uh, didn't get up for another 16 hours which it was you know cons- you tell me that now I didn't know any of that and it was one of the best TEDx's I've ever seen so you know that's that's testament to you um so you also you have a real interest I, I noted I watched something I, sorry I listened to something a radio interview that you were doing with people that was all around social mobility yeah and you've got a real interest in that can you can you explain a bit more about that? So um, I'm from a kind of underclass, underprivileged background. I grew up poor, basically. And, um, and so uh, I, I make, uh, I'm, I'm like the token working class person on, on Radio 4. I'm the only person I work with who's got a regional accent. And, um, and uh, I, 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 I tend to make uh, documentaries, like I say, on things like crime, poverty, social housing. And the most recent one, yeah, was it was about uh, social mobility uh, and the problems around social mobility in that um, it kind of celebrates exceptionalism, which I'm not against. Mm. But um, there can be an issue with that in that it, it often leaves when we talk as, uh, around social when we talk about um, social mobility, we're talking usually about exceptional individuals moving out of poverty and into um a, a more middle class or upper class lifestyle mm. and what we what we should be talking about i believe as well as giving those people the opportunities to excel is is to uh, address uh, entire communities and uh, and making everybody's situation better rather than just a few lucky or exceptional individuals yeah how how do you see that happening how do, how do you see it happening oh that's again it's such a it's such a massive um it's such a massive question and and it's a really tricky one because um there's loads of factors at play obviously like cultural and economic factors but um i'm beginning to feel that that really the only way in in the current climate for for communities to make themselves uh, to empower themselves uh, is is to is to um is to refine a, a sense of community because often when we talk mm. about community actually we're not talking about especially in in terms of uh, the underclass we're not talking about communities we're talking about a, a disparate and disenfranchised disenfranchised group of individuals who happen to live in a neighborhood we're talking about environments <laughs> not communities and actually yeah. i think i think one of the one of the things that can be done to give people um uh, in that situation more of a sense of purpose and more stability mm-hmm. is to it's about um you know i guess this is the cheapest thing that can be done is is uh, is forging relationships and, and building community uh, yeah. and, and building um, things within the community that that serve uh, the community, which is um, has been the, that kind of those elements of society seem to have been um, uh, lost over yeah. over 
time, you know. Do you know, it's fascinating because I was li- I was just thinking about this today and I was thinking about there's this community that um, that kind of embodies this kindness. And I thought, why are we not all living with this? And it really comes down to that those people that lead a community have to lead it for everybody. Yeah. Not just the few or just some of them. Yeah. Um, it has to be for everybody. And I think that's the difference between making it successful and not making it successful. Um, well, well there's, there's, I think there's other things at play as well, especially when it comes to uh, poverty and, and, um, and, you know, like I say, disenfranchised communities. There's, I think um, you asked me at the beginning of the podcast and I didn't answer you what what makes me happy and mm. um, and what actually I think happiness is. For me, I've got a panic disorder. I've got a diagnosis of post-traumatic stress disorder mm. and, um, and, and happiness. So I'm in a constant, my amygdala, the little almond-shaped part of your brain that fires out like the fight, flight or freeze um, responses is always turned up to 11. And, yeah. and and so so I'm always a bit antsy and and so for me and I think to for all people to a, a, a greater or lesser extent happiness is the absence of stress it's mm. that it's the removal of uh, fear and anxiety um and when we talk about sort of uh uh empowering um uh, people in poverty to 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 have better lives I think the conversation should really be largely focused around around stress and anxiety because stress I, I i believe stress and anxiety are the greatest inhibitors of uh, of things like empathy for example mm. uh, and therefore they inhibit people's capacity to form uh, strong relationships and they uh, inhibit people's capacity for kindness yes. so 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 like um so people who are suffering like uh, economic stresses uh, as a side effect then uh, suffer relational stress as well yes and yeah. uh, and 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 also a plethora of of other um uh difficulties that that, that come from you know are born out of poverty and yeah. so and so and so yeah well, for me and and that's why i focus a lot of my work on on um on kind of uh how can how can we deal with our own stress and how can we engender empathy yeah that's so right you know i just i believe that you know as soon as you're stressed empathy and understanding and kindness becomes it just naturally becomes backwards you know yeah. because we and i've mentioned this recently is um you know, we're not being chased by saber-toothed tigers anymore, but we've replaced that for, you know, all other stresses um, that are not necessarily stresses, but they are stresses level with the life that we live now. So, you know, technology and social media and yeah. things like that. Can I, can I talk about uh, everything's a tiger now? This is the yes. thing. So our brains are, aren't, uh, you know, aren't that evolved, like, they're, they're evolved for saber-toothed tigers. They're not evolved for the cons- constant barrage of anxiety that we, you know, your entire Twitter feed is full of tigers. So, so Facebook is full of tigers. Everything's, you know, to your brain, everything, you know, you're, you're, you're being bombarded with, uh, with threat. 
you know yes. and uh, and and unfortunately we live in a culture that is that is um that that exploits anxiety um uh, in order uh, for people to sell whatever it is they want to sell, whatever agenda yes. or, or item it is that they want to sell. And, and, and it's becoming a much more of an issue, I believe. Well, it, it's not just something I believe, it's a fact. Like, so so um, I, I'm no expert on this, but my understanding of, uh, of the way that um, uh, social media is evolving mm. is that it's evolving to be more of a behavior modification tool than it mm. is a social network. And, um, wow. and, uh, mm. and, so um, uh, the algorithms that uh, things like YouTube and uh, Facebook use uh, are adaptive algorithms. They're like they're uh, they they are uh, they they grow themselves. They learn and grow themselves. Mm. And what these al- algorithms have figured out is that it's easier to get people to respond to um, to negative stimuli than it mm. is. Uh, positive uh, and a good example of this would be it's it's much you know we we can we're angered or saddened quicker than we fall in love or trust Mm. somebody it takes time to to you have to nurture love and you have to nurture trust whereas you can make someone angry really quick (laughs) and so so these these uh, these uh algorithms they 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 have learned that that's the best way to to um get and keep our attention mm. as long as that negative emotion is being perpetually escalated mm. um and so so it, the more we interact with social media mm. uh the worse we will feel and that's that has become it didn't start out that way but that has become now by design yeah and so i take something like youtube for example uh, and, and there's a really uh, quick experiment you can you can do around this you know on youtube you've got like suggested um viewing yes yes so so, so say for example you watch a a donald trump um video Mm. um a a donald trump speech yeah and then uh, if you watch like two or three of those then um youtube's uh this is not controlled by a human being this is an algorithm that decides this for for you so it's not immoral it's a it's amoral i guess yeah um YouTube will YouTube will then suggest something slightly more extreme, and then four or five suggestions later, you'll start getting um, uh, uh, you know uh, radical white supremacy videos being suggested for you, <laughs> and that you can you can do this. It's it, you know Google it, do it, try yeah. it, and, and that and that's what will happen. So so yeah. so so the 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 algorithm is trying to appeal to the worst elements of of your of your um psyche in order to keep you interested and that's kind of how all these algorithms work you know yeah. they, they they know that if they generate uh, anger or um or, or or negative emotion then then you're more likely to click and click clicks me money so that's the way it's going and it's not regulated at this stage so it's yeah. I, I find that kind of how culturally um we are we are being isolated by 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 these by this technology as as well as being connected it's a real double-edged sword isn't it yes yes that's exactly right and and how people are you know this is an interesting one where people get consumed into social media and then there's this kind of fear of missing out and there's this comparison that they've got with their friends 
someone's gone to an event and you you didn't used to know that you didn't know what other people were doing you might you might you know they might tell you three months later you haven't seen them for a while I went to a concert oh that's nice and you wouldn't think anything of it but now people look at it and particularly young people and they'll look at it and go god I haven't been able to go to that and I haven't got that and there's this mindset that starts where the thought behavior and emotion becomes a very negative one yeah um and I find that whole concept very fascinating and worrying in many ways because we are encouraging negative thoughts and exactly as you've said there really we're we're isolating our um countries I I I think it's incredibly um detrimental uh in terms of our self-image as well I mean 15 20 years ago we would have all been complaining about um about magazines presenting us with a with a, an impossible and movies presenting them with a impossible physical um archetypes you know that mm. the, the, the uh, photo, photoshopped models and um and and that was heinous enough but yeah. now you know we we're doing it to ourselves yeah. <laughs> we're face tuning ourselves and we're and we're um and, and 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 it's so like the aesthetic as well is so arbitrary you know i was just thinking about this yesterday that that like you know, we've gone. The things that we decide culturally are attractive have always got have always been weird. You know, they've always just been arbitrary, like powdered wigs and shaved heads and whatever it is. You know, and and uh, but if you'd have asked me ten years ago what would be the most alluring, what people would consider the most alluring aesthetic, I wouldn't have said um, animated dog ears and <laughs> eyes the size of tennis balls. But hey, what do I know? So it's it's so that the, the things that we're sold. Uh, as, yeah. as a as a lauren and attractive is so ridiculous yeah. and yet we all have um uh, we all are, we're all neurotic enough and insecure enough to to buy into these uh things that are that we are told culturally make us better people when really they mean nothing you know if anything they make us um more neurotic and and less able to function as decent kind empathic individuals that is so true what does the future look like to you with technology as it is and kindness that current trajectory in your opinion like if it carries on exactly as it is where do we end up we end up um more separated than we've ever been and we end up um less uh em- empathic than we've we've ever been look at if you look at um, the way that twitter functions for example where people are um uh, the anonymous vitriol that people mm. are able to do in the comments section of anything mm. um that's because that's because th- these devices allow us to dehumanize ourselves and and um and 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 they and and at slow uh, the more that that is becomes the more it becomes normal <laughs> or, or seem seem to be normal um the 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 more we separate each uh, each other uh, the more that we're separated from each other and 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 i worry that this will have an impact on um our collective empathy and that's 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 the that's the really scary thing because individually it's already having an impact on our empathy we're all we're, you know people who are generally nice people uh, will say things online that they would never say in person. 
No. You know, they'll be incredibly vitriolic and hateful online anonymously. Then they wouldn't dream of doing that to somebody's face. And I think if they actually met the other person face to face, then they would probably racked with shame at the thing they'd said. But like, but but uh, what my big worry is is that is that if this sort of lack of empathy becomes a more um, widespread cultural thing rather than um, individual action, then then what does that mean for for us as a species in terms of like how we deal with human rights, how we engage in wars, um, you know, like the bit the really big how how we address yeah. you know the big the big problems, famine, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. Anything anything that I I, I worry that we are. Um, slowly and incrementally um chipping away at our humanity in a way that's almost imperceptible yeah yeah absolutely you know i i think you you were aware i did this big walk for kindness and uh went out trying to raise awareness of kindness and you know my general feeling about it was that it was almost like i had brought water in a drought to somebody yeah because I really felt that people were desperate to help and do an act of kindness. It was like it was giving people permission to do it. And so, you know, as you were talking then, I was thinking it confirms to me what, what I thought at the time about it, that it's, it's become something that is not a social norm and but people are still desperate to be like that probably not all people and some people probably have lost all empathy um that they ever had but there is something almost there are people seeking out that and seeking out the stories as well you know when you you look at some of the things that go viral on social media i mean maybe it's just because yeah. it's my algorithm and so yeah. i get this stuff. <laughs> yeah maybe it's because i get this stuff um but you know you kind of get those stories of deep connection um and they go viral because of it but again you know you're so right i keep saying that but that's just because it's my algorithm that's coming up i think there are so many reasons to be kind Uh, Mm -hmm. and and uh, for somebody like me there are quite selfish reasons to be to be kind as well because uh, i'm i've got a you know I've, i've got um a plethora of uh, mental health diagnoses. I've been in the mental health system since, since I was 11 years old. The main ones are bipolar disorder and PTSD. And, um, mm. and you know, they, the thing about mental illness is that it, 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 it kind of makes us incredibly inwardly focused. Mm. You know, it's, it's all wrapped up in, in, um, in weird ego stuff and, and, uh, and uh, self-esteem and all of that kind of thing. And, um, and, and and the great thing about uh, uh, an act of kindness is that not only are you doing something great for somebody else, but it takes for somebody like me, it takes me out of my own tumultuous nonsense. You mm. know, it draws me out of myself. So it's not just beneficial, as, and you get a lovely little dopamine hit as well. You know, yeah. And so, <laughs> and so, so like there's there's there's, there's 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 no reason not to be <laughs> yeah it's it's, yeah, it's right. benef- even 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 if you think your motives for being kind are entirely selfish <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's still of benefit it still benefits everybody so like so so i mean why not you know yeah and it starts you know people say that oh well it's selfish and i say 
but it's it's starting the culture. You, yeah. What's the alternative? Exactly. This is what I'd say to the kids. What's the alternative? Yeah. That you're mean to each other? Yeah. Because everything else isn't important beyond that act of kindness and being kind to each other in those tiny things. Exactly. Um, you talked then about being within your mental health yeah. um, issues that you are inwardly focused and it's very much about ego and um i i don't know you very well i've i've seen and listened to the work that you've done um and wouldn't have said that about you because you focus on so many things outwardly do you think that um that self-awareness made a difference in your mental health progress and your kind of awareness no um, and, and I'll tell you why like, I'm, I know I had a, I've had a conversation uh, this conversation recently with um, a couple of other people who've got equally um, severe <laughs> for want of a better word diagnoses as me you know who've been in and out of hospital a lot and um, and, uh, and and we're all um, we all appear self-aware <laughs> uh, that that uh, 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 but we all we've all taken our self-awareness uh, to hospital with us when we've been sectioned you know <laughs> like um so so really really what it is 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 um it's with things like um uh bipolar disorder or schizophrenia or or, or um or clinical depression um these what these things are are a lens in which we there are horrible lens in which we see the world through and yeah. when when that lens comes upon us, uh, we we it doesn't matter how self aware we are, mm-hmm. um, we see the world through 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 that lens. Everything is terrible, you know, yeah. and that's and that's that's why that's why mental illness is so dangerous. Um, uh, when self awareness becomes useful, mm-hmm. is is um, before. Uh, it's sort of, it's not in the deep water. It's not very, it's not useful at all in the deep water because you're existing within that state. Uh, being being uh, having this kind of mental illness is a bit like being drunk. Like when you <laughs> when you're drunk, you know you're drunk, mm. um, but you still do all the crazy drunk stuff because you're drunk, right? <laughs> um, and so so when you're clinically depressed, you know you're clinically depressed, or when you're schizophrenic, even you know you you might know you're in this state of psychosis. But yeah. you're still behaving psychotically because you're in a state of psychosis. So, so really, self awareness is only useful before and after the fact, really, which yeah. is really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Mental health and kindness. You know, there's a big, you know, there's a big awareness campaign around mental health. Yeah. Um, and how much that works or doesn't work, I, I, I'm not sure about that. Yeah. But but how kind, how kind are people to you personally? And I guess you've surrounded yourself with um, people who understand you as a person and and the work that you do. But do you think that there is kindness around mental health? Do you think it's getting kinder? Uh, yes, I have mixed feelings. Like um the we we are getting more compassionate and understanding definitely towards mental health when i started um kind of uh, campaigning um around mental health there wasn't really wasn't really spoken about in the same way that it is now it's no it was nowhere near as open and um 
and so things things have changed um but this it's you, it's complex and it's going to take a while to sort out there's a lot of like head tilting goes on these days and, and there's a lot of lip service and and really like uh, uh, one of the things that i worry this is a very dangerous thing to say because compassion is incredibly important and empathy is, uh, compassion and empathy is the most important thing when it comes to mental illness because it's a because it's a, a human condition and we need to be treated as humans not as clinical subjects you know yeah um having said that the, there is a lot of um, like misguided thinking around around what we should be doing um, is sometimes like is it engendering resilience is really important as well and yeah. and and uh, and I, and I think people um, can sometimes mistake um, can, there's a there's a there's muddy water in terms of um, compassion around around how people should be treated and 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 uh you know like it's it, it's compassionate like institutionalizing people forever is not compassionate no building resilience so that people can function and have a fulfilling and interesting life is compassionate mm. you know that's so, and 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 the two can be confused sometimes i find yeah yeah there's there's this thing around, um, I'm, you know, this is not mental health, but this is this is around how somebody might emotionally feel. I feel sad right now. Yeah. Well, you know, you'll be all right. And there's this, <laughs> you know, I don't know if you've come across Brené Brown. She does this. There's a brilliant YouTube video. Um, see now you're understanding what my YouTube feed is like. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it talks about empathy and sympathy. Yeah. And there's a, and there's a people think often that it's the same thing and it's not it's a very different thing it's the difference between sitting with somebody and being with them rather than saying oh come on then let's brighten up and yeah, yeah. let's be okay yeah. um so yeah it's hugely important but to answer your question yes people are kinder and and that, and that's great um unfortunately that doesn't translate into um practice in terms of what's available um uh, well because of the economic factors that the nhs are facing yes yeah do you feel that there's some hope coming around dealing with mental health through the nhs and through our culture and system uh it's well through the nhs it's a really tricky one like last time i was in hospital um Whilst I was on, uh, uh, the, in the first week on the first ward I was on, um, they started sending loads of people home who really shouldn't have gone home. You know, people mm -hmm. who couldn't even tie their own shoelaces and had no family were being sent home with n little care. You know, they were. This, it was. It was. It was, uh, it was terrifying to see people. You know, the condition that people were in and, and, and expected to function. It was just they weren't going to. You know, it would. It would. Mm -hmm. uh, could quite easily be a death sentence for those people and um and within i wondered why this was happening then within the first week the ward shut down and then i was moved to another ward and then that ward closed within an, another fortnight and then within a fortnight of that the third ward i was on also closed down so i mean it's hard to remain optimistic when um the treatment available i i, I love the nhs and i love the people that work for it and i have um you know this is not an attack on individuals it's an no. attack on the 
uh, 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 the cuts. The really. cuts. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 I, I, it's, it, it's, it's very, very difficult to, to, to maintain a level of, uh, of optimism. It's, it's, we're in this very strange situation now where culturally we're all being told to seek help if we need it. And that help is rapidly being removed. <laughs> yes, so, yes like, that's right. It, Absolutely. Is, so it's it's a bit, and 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 it makes. I I work as an ambassador for for um, mental health charities, a couple of mental health charities, and mm. and um and so you know I, I'm kind of wheeled out occasionally <laughs> to tell men often to go and seek professional help if they need to, but I just find I find it very difficult to do that now because i know that that help is either unavailable or really poor mm. so i might be sending them into a situation that might exacerbate the condition rather than help it and it's just it's quite a dire situation really yeah uh you know you kind of have some hope that they're going to start to do something in the schools um and that cultures will start to change there but we can only ever hope this is what i hope for yeah i hope that that um that we start changing early educate formative education so that people um uh, become more emotionally aware and emotionally competent and mm-hmm. um and therefore better able to navigate um any um stresses and pressures that occur in later life yeah i'm very sadly because uh, i've been looking forward to this podcast for so long um very sadly coming to the final question okay what, <laughs> What does a culture of kindness mean to you? Um, so I, I think um, it's a culture of kindness is about developing empathy. I had a really interesting meeting with a, a, a professor at Berkeley University a few years ago. She's called Jodie Halpern. Mm. And she's an amazing uh, working class, Brooklyn uh, Jewish woman in a maybe uh, 60s uh, and the mm. first of a um, family to go to university and now she's a senior professor at Berkeley mm. and um, and she said an interesting thing to me and it's kind of stuck with me and it's why I kind of do the work I do in the way that I do it she said that the best way to engender empathy uh, is to tell a really good story uh, because as we can we can step over homeless people in the street and not think about it but if a, a dog we like on a soap opera dies we can ball our eyes out and the reason being that that we have this backstory you know we have a narrative for that dog <laughs> yeah. we don't have a narrative for the person that we're stepping over and so so uh, my my part in a culture of kindness it would be to it would be to tell stories that engender empathy. <clears throat> sorry, that engender empathy, and also encourage people and empower and enable people to tell their own story, so that we're all a little bit more connected. Wow. And on that note, <laughs> what's what better note to end on? Uh, thank you so much for your time. It's been insightful. I really appreciate it, and thank you for sharing your story today. No problem. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thanks Bye. a lot. Cheers. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Whether you're a CEO or department manager, you can build a more productive, 
profitable and engaged workforce through adopting the theory laid out in my latest book available on Amazon, aptly also named A Culture of Kindness. It will guide you on how to be the type of leader that every employee remembers for all the right reasons. You can also subscribe to the monthly newsletter at www.nahalasummers.com to hear more about the latest talks, courses and upcoming podcast episodes. Thank you.